0: it's like you know what do it so what we don't have savings we'll figure it out kind of thing i mean i'm fyi i'm not a financial advisor <laughs> <laughs> i got you i got the butt
1: <laughs> <laughs> welcome to high on chai podcast from career goals to current affairs loud and brown bants with serious takes on navigating life as three south asian women
0: Just a quick disclaimer that any advice we give is not professional and purely for entertainment purposes only. We have links in our bio should you need more information on mental and physical well-being. Now enjoy this episode hi everyone welcome to episode two of season two of high on chai i'm sorry i'm excited Jamie, <laughs> where's your excitement i'm laughing <laughs> i <I'm> wasn't <laughs> sure if we were doing laughing. that or not <laughs> okay do it again do it again do it again Lil. <laughs> sorry sorry you
1: know, you know what Nice, no. no, <laughs> right okay The moment I'm not doing it this time. No, I'm taking
0: it's all good. It's all good. So I'm Lily and to be honest guys, I'm currently recording from bed because I messed myself up because I don't know my stomach at 30 years old so shame on me (laughs) Um, and on that note I will hand it over to Jamie. Hi everyone good to be back um oh you know me already a Bengali girl living in London married and just getting on with life really
1: Hi guys, I'm Rachel, British Tamil singer and songwriter and I am also chilling, currently in my bedroom, not in bed though, but I'm chilling, I'm chilling and I'm so excited to be on the second episode of season two. That's my woo-woo. Yeah, there you go. Um,
0: so we have the great pleasure of having our first ever guest. And his name is Ram and his platform is called Desi Brotherhood. Ram, do you wanna tell us some more about yeah. yourself and your pla- Yeah, thanks so
2: much for having me guys. Um so yeah, my platform is called Desi Brotherhood. It's on Instagram. Um so I basically write some blogs and content on things that I've witnessed um from my like childhood to adulthood or things that I've experienced. And yeah, the main reason why I created the platform is because I didn't really find many South Asian men having a place to go to Mm. that was um, kind of relatable to the issues that they were going through, whether it was like mental health or cultural pressures that they feel, Um, even certain experiences from like addiction, abuse, domestic violence, like it was never really told from a male's perspective. Mm. And and I thought there was some really inspiring um, female pages on Instagram, especially within the South Asian community um but i was like you know where where's the men's pages um and mm-hmm. then i and then i kind of realized that they also the services in the uk with like mental health services they're all kind of catered around um maybe like white people and not really understanding of like mm, yeah. the pressures um and problems south asian men may be going through mm-hmm. and why they neglect from going for like help especially um to the services that are out there so then i was like you know what let me create a page and see if it resonates with people um so i started it in lockdown which is like what most um pages people have been doing Um, (laughs) yeah kind of getting the inspiration and motivation to be like you know what it's like good what i'm doing it will hopefully help some Mm. people and yeah it's done Mm. really well i'm really happy with the amount uh, of people that have reached out and said they can relate to my posts and share That's their so nice. stuff and yeah. yeah it's been nice because it's been you know a lot of the topics that I talk about is like South Asian men focus but even yeah. the females and different generations from like older and younger and stuff are you know getting involved in like listening so yeah really happy it's with amazing. the people.
0: I love that it's called brotherhood as well because it we're all big on family yeah and I think there is something more about having um that sort of bond that goes beyond friendship because I think we need more of that kind of love that resonates with um families mm-hmm. because especially South Asians we relate more to a family um kind of set up but also in terms of expectations mm. and on that note um I'm just going to go straight into the questions if you guys are good yeah let's do it let's just dive in um so firstly Ram, we'd love for you to help us gain an understanding of um my expectations as a South Asian man but also just um as someone who's kind of trying to become aware of their own identity along with these expectations from your family
2: yeah so um I guess like the pressures and stuff that we deal with as South Asian men is very much similar to like what women have to go through as well but it's just in like a different I guess style or way in the sense of you know like we were saying you know family is such a big part of our community and um I think, mm. I think part of me um, and my family is, you know, my dad is always like reminding me and telling me like how I've got to carry on the family name, how I've got to be there for the yeah. family, especially right. like when he passes away as like the lead of the house, you know, he's always like expecting to put that pressure on me to like look after family and stuff. And mm. I think like a lot of my mates and stuff, they go through the same thing. And um, a lot of them, that could be like the older sibling or even the younger sibling. Like if they're the only male, they're having to, depend on um for their be dependable with their family financially and be there for them um Mm. and just make sure like everybody in the family is like united and kind of it puts a lot of pressure on them to make sure that the family kind of stays strong like when the father and stuff um do unfortunately like pass away so there's always been like that kind of side where my parents Mm. are always reminding me like when they go away the pressure will be on us or like when they go away they expect us Mm. to you know be financially able to like look after my sisters and look after like my brother and stuff um Mm. so I think yeah there's definitely that side um and then there's also like the kind of marriage side of like making sure that you know I get married and have kids and stuff and that it's got to be from the same caste or religion and stuff and I found that a lot of my other mates were also going through the same thing but nobody was really talking about Mm. it and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of South Asian men and actually men in general like because we're not really um, open about discussing our issues, a lot of the time we'll be thinking, Mm -hmm. oh, it's just me going through this. Oh, it's just my unique experience. And we never really have like that bond, which I think a lot of women do, that sisterhood kind of support. Um, (laughs) And I guess a lot of men just think that it's them going through with it and their pressures are for them to kind of be quiet on or be silent on and not really raise it as... A problem in their life so then um a lot of men yeah. just end up suffering so so yeah yeah
0: and it's and it's so um interesting that you brought up silence because I think a lot of us um mistake that silence for strength yeah. whereas actually there's a lot of vulnerability in being bold about your own expectations of yeah. self that goes against what your family yeah. want but also being vulnerable about how it's affecting your mental well-being and how have you tackled that
2: I think mainly through speaking up and just telling my parents like how I'm feeling Mm. and the difficulties that I've had um from from anything from dating from experiences of like you know with my own anxiety and stuff that I've had to deal with or just experiences Mm -hmm. that I had when I was younger which was probably you know my parents you know fault in some (laughs) ways you know and like just being honest (laughs) with like The experience that I had when I was younger. Um, So I think definitely like speaking up with them um, and then I've realized the more I've spoken up amongst my mates and amongst my male circles as much as it was awkward Mm because I was like oh shit everyone's going to take the piss out of me for talking about it or you know none of them really do talk about these things. um, We kind of revolve our conversations and meetups around drinking and I think that's another way that South Asian men kind of suffer from Any problems Mm -hmm. that they're going through, it's like, oh, get pissed and have a good time and just kind of pretend that you're not going Mm. through anything. So then, the more I was like bold enough and strong enough to like speak up, the more I was realizing that a lot more people are relating to it. Um, Mm. And Mm. and it was actually really surprising because I thought more people wouldn't understand, or you know, you kind of get carried away with your thoughts on like how it's only going to be you and how Mm. it's going to be really cringy and embarrassing. But in reality, like Mm. there was so much more support than people like shutting their doors or being awkward around me. Um, And a lot more relatable conversation
0: what advice would you give then I was just going to ask like to guys that feel like they can't speak out in terms of because a lot of people feel that pressure and think oh no I can't talk to my parents like that they'll never accept what I'm saying yeah. yeah
2: no I'm lucky like my my parents are like my yeah. best friends so I can talk to them about yeah oh, stuff. That's nice. but yeah. um yeah I wouldn't say to someone like talk to your parents if like there's a threat <laughs> of them having you know having to get kicked out of the house if they do open yeah. up about something so
1: yeah I
2: would just say like <laughs> just focus on who you can trust and who who's not going to judge you and whether that's Mm. one person or a whole group of friends or your all your siblings or just one sibling like just try and speak to yeah one of them that you genuinely trust won't um, judge you um, and will just listen and Mm. then you know another side is if your situation is really dire and really bad then be open to the fact that you need to get maybe professional help or seek professional Mm. advice um and that doesn't always mean that like, you know mm. you've got a you know mental health problem or a diagnosed yeah. problem it just means you need mm. someone to listen
1: i feel like the way mm. people kind of view mental health like in our culture is is it's always been a little bit like almost taboo or it's like looked down on don't you guys mm. think like there's always been like a level mm. of kind of disapproval about talking about things like that yeah especially, um, especially for men
2: yeah i mean growing up i remember when my family and stuff. Like a big problem with the South Asian community is like the gossiping culture, which we yeah. massively have. Yeah. And I remember growing up
1: I just said, yeah at the same time <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, growing up I
2: remember when me and my younger cousins would be listening to my parents' generation and they would all be talking about Mm. everyone's business where someone was divorcing this Mm. person or someone was getting Mm. secretly Mm. unhappy or abused or whatever or someone has gone we say Mm. so like crazy yeah Uh, yeah Mm. And it was all like done in such a negative and gossipy way that me and my cousins were like, shit, if we have anything like this, you know, where we face something Mm. like divorce or mental health issues, Mm. these are not the right people to talk to about it. And you don't, Mm. you shouldn't open up about it because the community and your family will kind of shun you away because you're treated as an outsider if you do have those issues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. you
0: are. So so speaking on that and, and, um, like the judgment of it what would you do if like for instance you did open up to someone and they did judge you I mean because I I get so fearful that there are men who have opened up and it's been dismissed or almost seen as quite comedic like what would you do in that instance like would you would you recommend that they turn to someone else or I mean I, I can Yeah, imagine. no, that's really hard, oh, that like, um,
2: I think there's been a few times when I've tried to open up to people if I'm going through something a bit rubbish and they've made it really awkward for me or made mm. me feel like I'm being dramatic or maybe it was a bit of, like, a mm-hmm. cringe situation that, like, I was talking about, which is obviously, it, it deflates you because you're like, oh, I was trying to speak to you about something, but... They didn't really um, acknowledge it. But I've always realised as well, Mm. it's probably more to do with them than me. And I need to stop worrying Mm. about, okay that person hasn't reacted the way I wanted to. But maybe they're on their journey where they're not ready to talk about the type of stuff that I was discussing. Um, So, yeah, Mm. it can really deflate you. And I I did obviously shut off for a while when there were a few friends that did act like that. Mm. But then I kind of shut Mm. myself off and then kind of was thinking about the situation and then spoke to someone Mm. else and it was a completely different reaction you're not going to get the same response from every single person and that's okay Um, so yeah I would try and encourage them to speak to other people but I can feel that annoyance as well when you do open up to someone and they don't get it or they Mm. laugh at you or they kind of um, um, they put your feelings down to you know not really acknowledging it or validating it
1: yeah Mm. Mm. Did you have any
0: like habits that helped with that so for instance um, myself when um, I felt judgment from the community at kind of being 30 and not having accomplished sort of like the tick box that a lot of us South Asian women are given I had to kind of go back and and practice um, sort of like daily gratitude and at first I felt felt quite cheesy doing it but then I actually found it helping because i It made me realise a lot of the things I was blessed with. Mm -hmm. So did you have any sort of practices like that that You know
2: what, every single day for like a couple of years when I was like 23, it was really weird, but I would wake up every day just telling myself how... Shit, I was as a person. How cringe I was. How this I was. It was really weird. It was just like, yeah. just so it was weird. I would yeah. like wake up one morning. I would be like brushing my teeth or showering, and I would have like a bad memory of like when I did this to, to someone, or like mm-hmm. a cringy memory of like when I embarrassed myself. And I would I would literally tell myself how much of like a dumb person I was, or how stupid I was, or how cringy I was. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Whoa, this is really impacting like my mental health and even just my self esteem yeah. mm-hmm. and how I look at myself as a person." Um, um so then yeah. after as I was like doing the normal thing like googling you know what little things you can do and I was seeing what other Instagram pages people were talking about And they were saying, Mm. say three things that you like about yourself every day. And I'm like, I'm like Mr. Cringe. I like cringe at everything. So I was like, I can't even think of like, it's like me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I can't even think of like a half of like one thing that I like. But I was
1: like, if I can't even even
2: say one thing, then that's a real, I was just really surprised because I was like, if I can't say one thing, then that is a problem. So then like every day I was trying to, it was hard. But I was just mm. saying three things that I do like about myself, three things that I appreciate about myself. And then I think in the long run, you are a bit more positive and then you are looking at, like, the good characteristics mm. about yourself.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, you do have to work on yeah, it. Exactly. You have to really work Absolutely. on it. So, um,
2: yeah, mm. I think that definitely helped. Just, yeah, like you said, gratitude oh, and saying positive things about mm. yourself, um, whether it's daily or however. however mm. long.
0: Do you know what? You have to, because no one's going to do it for you. You have to just mm. do it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm and then mm-hmm.
0: you can bring yourself out of that slump I'm glad you did yeah exactly yeah, yeah. cheesiness helps it it does. Does. <laughs> everyone it's needs 50. it every now and then <laughs> daily cheese <laughs> um Ram you also mentioned that um you know these expectations impacted your dating life can you go into that a bit more
2: yeah um so I just found that when I was in the dating scene um there was obviously like a lot of pressure on, you know, making sure that I was financially ready and mentally ready to, you know, Mm -hmm. pursue um, a future with someone. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the side that a lot of people forget with South Asian men. is Mm -hmm. like females get Mm -hmm. the pressure of making sure that they get, you know, married by a certain age because of like biology, like when they want to have kids Mm -hmm. and stuff. But the pressure on men is making sure that you have, your finances ready and that you're capable to Mm -hmm. you know buy a mortgage buy a house um and do all these like extravagant things like go on holiday and stuff with your partner and you know I was lucky enough that I do have a job which was stable and I did have those things but Mm -hmm. when I was talking to other guys and other friends of mine and stuff when they weren't financially ready or capable of you know even going on a Mm -hmm. date that can cost a lot um they would just push it aside and not focus on it and there was this this expectation that your value as a man is based on how much you're earning and your salary and if you're Mm. able to kind of manage your future and stuff and unfortunately with some people you know that's not the case because of whatever reason and some people figure out what they want to do Mm. a bit later or the industry Mm. that they're in is just not an industry that you know spends a lot of money and where there's not really a Mm. high salary so I guess a lot of my light mates mm. and stuff were putting aside things like dating, even though they really wanted it. But they were saying how the pressure yeah. of meeting, especially a South Asian female, where um, they want to make sure you've got your shit together and they want a man mm. that's stable and stuff. And I've, I've constantly...
0: Yeah, but that's what we're that. taught. We're taught, oh, you have to get someone that's like mm. this and this and this. Mm. Like, let's have a good degree, a good job. And that. And that's so ingrained in us from a young age. Yeah, yeah. and I get that mm. as well,
2: because like I was mm. saying to you guys um, earlier on a call, um, mm-hmm. I think that comes from the matter of survival for South Asians. You know, coming yeah. to a country, whether you're an yeah, immigrant, yeah. refugee or whatever, and, you know, you have the means to survive for, like, just living, food, just a mm-hmm. roof over your head. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. South Asian girls obviously want to make sure that the guy that they're with has that stability, which is completely mm-hmm. fair enough from the upbringing mm-hmm. they've had. Mm-hmm. But I think there's it's a totally- problem
1: like it's not it doesn't need to be like that it doesn't need to be in this kind of gender
2: roles yeah and I think like the problem is is yeah you want to have make sure you've got financial stability but um Mm -hmm. I think a lot of Mm -hmm. men feel like if they aren't able to do the other things like buy a mortgage or even extravagant things for someone maybe they're not capable of dating or maybe they're not dateable I definitely have met guys that felt like
0: that yeah and do you think that the tick box that they like that South Asian parents have for their daughter-in-law then kind of impacts what like the guys find attractive so say for instance like fair and lovely and has to (laughs) have a degree but they're willing to like you know (laughs) drop all that and have the baby by 30 do you think that guys almost forget like that actually no what do I really like do they even take that time to reflect and be like is that what my parents are attracted to? Do I even want yeah. that? Yeah.
2: I, yeah, Yeah. no, I mean, that's a really good question because I think a lot of um, my friends especially, like, they will date someone and take in consideration, like, if their parents will like them, if they're, like, a good Indian girl or good Asian girl, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that pressure does come in. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. It also depends on the person. Like, for me, like, the more, more important mm-hmm. things, like, are... Uh, you know, if they communicate what's important to them, their values and stuff. Um, But I do find Mm -hmm. there are a lot of South Asian men that do fall into the pressure of worrying about if she cooks, if she cleans, will her parents, you know, Mm -hmm. will their parents like her? And then I think another part which is really difficult for brown guys is... You know, with women, I totally get being the new daughter-in-law. There's a lot of stigma around that. And there's so many crazy mm-hmm. stories that we've heard from our own moms, our aunties and stuff, where they were the daughter-in-law mm-hmm. and the shit that they had to go through with their family for being that new yeah, daughter-in-law. Yeah. But then there's yeah. also that side when a man has to manage that. So, like, the family doesn't like the new daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. And then the daughter-in-law doesn't like your family. And I've met so many of my mm-hmm. uncles um, and even, like, people in my immediate family, actually, that have had to decide or try and manage everybody's expectations of each other. And it's like, sometimes mm. the South Asian man is felt like, you know, they're in the middle of like trying to keep the wife happy, but also trying to keep the family together mm. as well.
1: But, you know, uh, sometimes I feel like that's why people pick certain partners, like not in a bad way, but like, cause they just cannot be bothered. Like with the, mm. all the effort that comes with potentially mm. choosing someone that you want, like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like sometimes yeah. people settle because they kind of feel like I just can't be bothered to deal with all the drama that comes with the family. Yeah, just the keep family. the peace. Let me just pick someone that the family's family. going to like and then we're done. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know?
2: no, I mean, especially like my uncles and stuff, like that generation, mm-hmm. they all did that. You know, they yeah. tried to date mm-hmm. people that were a different caste, maybe even a different religion, but still brown. Right. Um, okay. And then they had to settle down with someone that was just good on paper in the sense of, they're from the same community they've got a good family background and family check and stuff Um, Mm. and maybe they have a good enough job and then they they just thought you know what this is a safer option
1: yeah clearly
2: my family are never going to accept like someone else that I want to be with right
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Wow. I mean like I feel like so far it feels like the expectation's of south asian families can be quite negative because they, they're they quite superficial mm-hmm. but do you think there's been any positive motivations and outcomes that maybe on a personal level have come from your parents um or from our general culture like south asian you know culture as well um,
2: so what positive experiences from the cultural like pressures,
0: from the expectations oh, yeah um... so like for, say, for instance yeah like education and the fact that they motivate us to like you know work hard and get yeah I mean
2: I guess the one thing that I really value being brown is the the care that we have for our community Um, and I know that's kind Mm -hmm. of like a double-edged sword because Mm -hmm. then we also worry about what the community say but then Mm -hmm. like the positive Mm -hmm. is the fact that you know you can go to any auntie uncle's house or friend's house or whatever and if Mm -hmm. you've got a problem or if you need um help or whatever they will be there to support you Um, and and give advice like it's a very like homey feeling like even when I go to my other friends houses and okay yeah obviously you know I'm their son daughter's friend but there is that kind of environment where you just Mm -hmm. feel accepted and very like homey about it and Mm -hmm. a family oriented like experience so I think that's been yeah the most positive
0: we got one positive. <laughs> 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 no, no, I know what you mean. mean. It's positive. Like yeah. we, are,
1: we are a very yeah. community-based kind of culture. Yeah. Mm. There is a lot of beautiful things that's that come true. from that. But like you said, it is a double-edged yeah. sword. But
0: mm. I think yeah. that's
1: why everyone tries to kind of take the best from both parts, right?
0: Mm. Exactly. Mm. I wonder if that gossip of the community and those expectations... Although um, there is that one side where it can have a huge impact on your mental well-being, I also wonder if there's another side that has made us more resilient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, What are your thoughts on that,
1: Rob?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think nowadays we're becoming a lot more resilient. So when my parents are hearing people be gossipy about someone because they've had a divorce or mental health issues, now from, Mm -hmm. you know, experience, they are now educating people and saying, you know what, maybe that's the path for them and maybe we should just be supporting them and maybe we shouldn't really be having this conversation. Oh, um, really so cute. I am seeing a lot more of that compared to when I was younger. Mm. And I think when it hits home, like when my auntie, she got a divorce and now my parents are a lot more educated on how you know divorcee mm. families aren't these outcasted people or you know people with a mm. mental health issue because there's been a few family members of mine um, uh, extended family that have had diagnosed mental health problems that you shouldn't be judging other people if they are bagel or whatever you know the terminology they use so I think because they've now experienced it they're a lot more careful on how they talk to people and how they gossip and it is becoming um, I think a lot more yeah just careful on what people are saying
0: Yeah, I think that's half the problem, isn't it? No one's really experienced it themselves. It's not close to home. Mm -hmm. So they have no Mm -hmm. idea of how to deal with it or talk about it or even understand it Mm -hmm. until it actually impacts you. And I think that's a lot of issues with especially families like back home no one talks about it no one recognizes it because it doesn't really they just brush it off or like they think you're possessed or something like that or something really wrong with you mm-hmm. it's not really acknowledged mm-hmm. in that way but it is good that now it's getting a lot more you know it's highlighted a lot more and a lot more education is going on around it as well
2: yeah mm-hmm.
0: there's an openness to learn yeah that I love about our parents mm-hmm. um I've seen that in, in the South Asian community especially maybe not so much like um our grandparents, but definitely our parents and you know, people who are sort of um second generation mm. in the UK and Canada and US. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yeah. Do we no, definitely How has hope- been a change. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Mm. So you do think that w- we will go against the grain, or do you think there'll be will be some who kind of repeat this kind of like gossipy auntie behavior and kind of press upon these like expectations? Yeah, no- this is for Yeah, I mean, yeah no, enough. I
2: just, I think sometimes it is really hard because you've learned that behavior. It is really hard to dismantle mm. that. So mm. even when I see people doing it my age, I mean, mm. I used to like be judging mm. before and be like, oh, what a, you know, twat for yeah. like doing that. And like, or, or I would just kind of say, oh, they're such a typical Asian. Like, we call each other that, right? Yeah. In our yeah, yeah. new generation, oh, they're mm. such a typical brown person. They're such a typical Asian. So when people used to do mm. that, I used mm. to just call them, yeah, I guess a typical Indian or. Asian and but mm. now I'm realizing yeah. that you know they're only doing what they've learned and there's only so much mm. that you can do with educating someone but I shouldn't be harsh on them or yeah I feel like it's, it's still going to take a while for people to, to dismantle that but
1: um mm. yeah. I mean to a degree I feel like there's not really an excuse for young people I'm just saying mm. like you know <laughs> like, can we just pause that for a minute <laughs> I feel like people from our generation like yeah I get that everyone's on their same journey but we're young and um, we've grown up with a mm. lot more kind of diverse and varied experiences than our parents so I do feel like when it comes to like our generation and potentially younger like it's hard to kind of feel sorry for that because I do think there's plenty of opportunity to grow and change but mm. I definitely get it for the older generation especially if they're kind of very in their community and they don't mix with a lot of people if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah I mean it's, it's weird though because I think I'm really lucky in the sense of my parents are open to the fact of uh, of learning and stuff. But yeah. then I've met yeah. other people that are my age and their parents aren't. And when they hit right. that brick wall of like their parents not really being open to learn and be educated and then they're constantly mm-hmm. around it and then they're not allowed to, you know, go out and have the freedom to meet new people mm-hmm. and meet diverse people, right? Like it's so important to you meet know. different races, different genders and people, yeah, different true, sexualities. Yeah. But if you're literally... Um, stuck at home and forced not to do those things, and then you're around that culture of like gossipiness and South Asianness. Then you aren't going to really learn mm-hmm. and grow to get out of that as well. So I've seen it on that side, where. Um, but I know mm. what you mean. Like we are the younger generation. There's so much more um, sources of like um, educating ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. But I just think mm-hmm. you don't also know what's going on in everyone's homes.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's such a good point, and I think it like also points to the fact that our identity is not rigid and especially as we grow older and we you know get more resources and get more opportunities to like get to know ourselves it's like yeah we're South Asian but actually for myself that can mean so different to like what Jammy might identify Mm -hmm. herself as and you know and so Jammy on that point what is your thoughts on that? On identifying yourself yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 now on identifying yourself and also um the, do you think that there will be this kind of like you know going against the grain as we get older and especially the the you know the generations after us as well yeah definitely I think I don't want to say we're more rebellious but we're more inclined to say no
1: yeah
0: and we're Mm. more inclined to just do what makes us happy instead of what makes our parents happy and i think now Mm. our parents are starting to realize that as well obviously as we go on to have the next generation and then they grow up Mm. we can give Mm. them our experiences and i think we shouldn't like diminish the culture there are good parts of the culture like we mentioned like i love our culture i love it to Mm. bits but there are also obviously bits that we can't keep like what you mentioned and i do hope that you know people of the older generation do realize this before it is too late because I don't want you know them growing up as they do get older to have this mentality for the rest of their lives you know they're still mm. y- uh, young in some sense like my parents are in their 60s you know I don't want them to get mm. into the 80s and still thinking like this mm. you know as you mm. know I I broke up and i married outside of my culture and my parents are really happy and it's fine but I don't want it to be a situation where other girls feel like they can't do that or other guys feel like they can't do that mm-hmm. just because of what their parents will say. Like you mentioned, Ram, a lot of relationships that guys get into is because they feel like they have to make their parents happy. And I hope that people can realise that you, know, you can break away and do what does make you happy long-term.
2: Yeah, and I feel like, Mm-hmm. even if you do um marry someone because it's good on paper or because it's gonna make your parents happy like that's not gonna mm-hmm. be it now for the rest of your life because I've seen like uncles of mine yeah. that rely so much on like drinking just to be happy or they overwork yeah. mm-hmm. just so that they're not home or they're mm-hmm. you know on you know undiagnosed or diagnose mental health issues and they're having to take mm-hmm. medication for it so it's like it's not even like you're just marrying to keep yourself happy you are Either going to impact your future as well, where it could, you know, um, yeah, just kind of go crazy, and you could be addicted to something or try and do things to escape mm-hmm. from your reality. So, yeah, I just mm-hmm. want people to realize that it's
0: going to be more than just that. Yeah, and a lot of people get second wives as well. That's a new thing. It's not a new thing, but <laughs> I'm learning more about it now. Yeah. Like I didn't realize yeah. how many men actually go out and get like a second secret wife
2: yeah Mm. I mean a few of my um a few of my friends they've um their dad so they're married to their mum and they've had like Mm. years of like being unhappy and a lot of like abuse Mm. and domestic violence
1: Mm. and then
2: when my friends Mm. got to around 20 um he went to Bangladesh and he didn't tell any of his family he just said I'm going there for a holiday I'm just going to see family and then he Mm. called them back up and he was like oh I got married and it was just like just landed on them that you know, mm. they've now got this new wife, and obviously the kids weren't happy. The their mum was not happy, and they completely Gosh. cut all mm. contact. But there was just this kind of acceptance that because I'm the man, I'm allowed to do this. Um, which is yeah.
0: Ram, mm. I think you actually touched on this when we caught up before that mm. that like a lot of guys have this kind of dual life. Yeah.
2: A lot of my yeah, and... a lot of my uncles um that I know either in India in the UK. I mean, they've even told me they they've told me that you should get married and your parents can pick the person and you can still carry on, you know, living your double life and being with the person that you want. And
1: they like, totally you know, Yeah. yeah they, what? They even <laughs> encouraged me. Like,
2: I mean, wow. one of my uncles, he's from, he's from India and it's a very backwards mindset. And he even said to me, cause I was 24, 25 when I went, Mm, and he yeah, said listen mm. women are only for baby making that's it So you don't need to worry about it oh, and he said if goodness. you want to have sex and if you want to have your fun and if you want to have another girlfriend on the side mm. that's completely fine and then all the men there mm. were kind of encouraging that that was fine and that was okay to do oh, and God. I think there is this kind of acceptance even in the UK as well you know with the brown yeah. men that you know you can mm. have this double life and but That's you not going to
1: make you happy, that's the thing, exactly. Like,
2: and then you're playing so many other people's lives at risk, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. Happiness as well,
0: I still can't believe he yeah. just blatantly said that to your face I and know, encouraged yeah. you to do
2: that, exactly. <laughs> um, it's surprising, but then I've also met other uncles and stuff that don't necessarily do that, but then they're depressed yeah. and mm. in depression because they had to let go of the love of their lives.
1: Mm. I'm so oh, sad. Was so heartbreak. <laughs> just before it's, like, it's literally like Bollywood,
0: <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh god! Oh. 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 Round, thank you so much. This has been like very insightful. Yeah. But just before we go again, when we caught up, you brought up a really good um, question, which was, you know, what can we as South Asian women um, be doing in our culture, but also in general, for this issue and to make men feel supported to, you know, go against these expectations Mm -hmm. and live their best life
2: (laughs) Um, yeah I think what more that South Asian women could do is maybe I would say just understand that the patriarchy kind of harms men and boys too and it's not just one-sided in the sense of Mm -hmm. I completely get it that women have it way harder um with the way patriarchy is structured and set up but that still harms Mm -hmm. like modern men today. Um, And that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, men have such a high suicide rate or they struggle with talking Mm -hmm. about how they feel or Mm -hmm. like we were saying, they live a double life and don't Mm -hmm. talk about things. Um, So I think, yeah, maybe I guess South Asian women should just understand that, listen more, ask questions to their brothers, friends or whatever, even their dads, you know, and just have like a check-in on them. Um, yeah, but yeah. I think that's what more—that's more, that's like more we, that people can do—is just like listen more and actually validate people on what they're going through.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. we definitely need to redefine masculinity in the South Asian 100%. culture. I think at the moment, like, um, you know, some men decide to be vulnerable; it's seen as being sensitive or like, you know, mad. yeah, yeah right. that they can't carry a family. But actually, I would prefer, like hope to be with someone who can be fully transparent and open with me um you know and also be their self because by being their self we can also support each other in our mental health challenges because I also think that on this issue by a lot of women hide how they really feel about these expectations because they see their man as strong and that he's carrying the family financially and everything else Mm. so they hide a lot of what they feel as Mm. well um, so
2: when you guys uh, a question to you guys when you guys have like dated brown guys have you seen those pressures that they talk about or do they not really discuss it or
0: I mm. have and I feel like if they go into like a reclusive mode like what they do just don't talk about it like they just don't like, like from what I've experienced they just go silent
1: yeah like
0: something comes up like down. serious yeah literally yeah, just it. shut down and I was like okay oh. what's going on and I have no clue like what to do with that situation, like what do I do there's nothing you can really say because they're not speaking to you so you don't know what to do yeah
2: but like them staying silent is just numbing their pain and like yeah. in mm-hmm. other like ways as well um other mechanisms mm-hmm. where they'll mm-hmm. um just not really want to sit with how they feel um and I guess mm-hmm. South Asian men haven't been taught to talk about their emotions and their no, and what's going on is. in their head so yeah. sometimes yeah. it is like another language to us like when someone's like oh talk about your yeah. emotions talk about how you feel I'm like what the fuck? Yeah. how do I do that how do I do this because I've like spent the last yeah. 20 years not yeah. it. so now you're expecting me to yeah. all of a sudden talk um mm. yeah,
0: you know, it's it's funny because the South Asian guys I've dated have actually dated me in secret because I haven't met the expectations. Oh, no. <laughs> this is like the vice versa <laughs> situation, you know. <laughs> but I, I I also did emphasize because especially with religion, um, I, you know, and what comes with that, and mm. it did make sense to me. But also, when you try, as Jam said, when you try to bring that up and you try to think of like how are we going to tackle this in yeah. the future, there is just a numbness to it. Mm. Um, and then it for me like. Looking back, I read that as coldness, mm-hmm. but actually, Ram, the way you're describing it makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense. Actually, we empathize with them a lot more because I think a lot of us focus on female kind of sensitivity mm-hmm. and, oh, they're hurt, but actually, guys experience hurt, mm-hmm. uh, be it in a different yeah. way. And
2: I mean, like, the main thing I always found when I was dating is people would always tell me, oh, you're so hot and cold with me. Sometimes you're interested, sometimes you're not, or sometimes, mm-hmm. like, the conversation is going well and then other times it's not. And mm-hmm. what what I think South Asian women or just women in general need to realise is, I think, you know, that's not done on purpose. I think the kind of hot and cold dynamic is also like, our fears on wait, is this going too fast in the sense of, would I be ready if this does go to marriage? Am I financially ready? Am I mentally ready? Am I emotionally mm-hmm. ready? So it's not like we do that for the chase, or we do that for banter. It's like, we're also looking in ourselves, like, are we ready for the next step where we would have to financially take on this massive challenge mm-hmm. of, yeah. you know, getting married and, and starting? I, and I early. think
1: maybe in the case where it would be healthy to talk about that to your partner or whoever it is you're dating, because you've grown up in the kind of culture where it's like, well, you can't talk about this because otherwise you'd be seen as weak. It, like, that is what, I guess, presents the challenge with dating,
2: Mm. and like men are constantly Mm. focused around being strong being man enough you know um having the balls to do this blah 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 like this is constantly being taught to us um so i think being honest about those experiences can sometimes Mm -hmm. feel like quite alien to us because we're like oh okay well i'm taught to just kind of suck it up and deal with it as a man yeah
1: yeah so
0: how would you want Mm -hmm. like your partner to approach it then so for example you went cold Mm -hmm. how would you want them to be towards you
2: i think Mm -hmm. i mean it's such a like catch 22 because it's like once we go Mm -hmm. cold then the then the then the female doesn't want to really ask why we're going cold but maybe like just Mm -hmm. having an open honest conversation and not putting pressure on them though you know if they're not ready to talk Mm -hmm. about it but just Mm -hmm. saying like listen i'm here if you want to talk and this is the kind of patterns that i'm seeing with you and you Mm -hmm. know you can talk to me Mm -hmm. Um and just yeah, kind of like normalizing those kind of conversations. I, I would I would say that. Um
0: yeah. that's such a good point because I think some of us without meaning to, we take your coldness and then you not responding to our kindness as um rude and like yeah, how dare he, is he? <laughs> like, you know, we're like, how dare yeah. you? But actually like it makes I mean, sense to be patient yeah. with it. I mean,
1: everyone's um, going through their own journey. But then at the same mm, time, like, because girls have this, like, you know, their own burdens as well. It's like a, dating is like a really, you know, because you never know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, you never yeah. know what's going on mm-hmm. on my side. There's always so much pressure. like. Yeah. Um, that's
0: why communication is key it's exactly. so important like everyone says it but no, it's, it's easier true. said than done yeah like it's so mm-hmm. hard like I'm not I don't talk about my emotions and I never do and I find it so cringe but sometimes you just have to yeah
2: same and <laughs> like I think the other thing is communication it's not like an easy oh yeah let's talk and communicate no yeah, exactly. yeah, there's gonna no. be so many times <laughs> and you guys mess up and like there's gonna be different approaches to communicating mm-hmm, and people's yeah. like you know mm-hmm. um, language to things are different you know some yeah. people might not open up straight away. Other way other people may have other methods of how they want to communicate things. So mm-hmm. I think being okay mm-hmm. with the fact that sometimes you're gonna fall and sometimes it's gonna feel a bit repetitive is okay when communication yeah. is constantly like a bit of a battle. But it's only yeah. because you're like learning about mm-hmm. each other. But um mm-hmm. like one of my I remember an ex of mine when she said that she wanted to start telling her parents and her siblings and stuff about about me. I, I went mm-hmm. a bit cold and silent, but not in the sense of like I wasn't. <laughs> <ready>. <laughs> but like not in the sense of like I wasn't ready. I think all of a sudden I was mm-hmm. like, oh shit, like. Yeah, Yeah, it's pressure. Like,
1: oh shit, can I afford a mortgage?
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. exactly. I was like,
2: wait, am I am I ready for them to ask me stuff about like my salary and if I'm able Mm. enough and this enough? When I was only like 22 at the time, and I "I haven't even had my first job yet, and they're gonna have these expectations that as you're the guy taking, you know, my daughter. what are you gonna Mm -hmm. be doing with your life what's your future goals like and I was just like Mm a a uni student and like that was what was Mm -hmm. going on in my head but then to her she was like you don't love me you're scared you're this and I'm like "Nah, I that is complete opposite of what I'm worrying about what I'm worried Mm -hmm. about is the questions they're gonna ask about our future
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's totally understandable like but at that age that's exactly what we would think
2: yeah Mm, yeah. exactly as
0: the partner yeah wow so interesting but yeah yeah, what,
2: what would you say is kind of the things you would want South Asian men to understand more about you know how it is on your side and what you guys would need
0: well what from what you said Ram like what I take from it is that there needs to be this mutual understanding of that there will be uncertainty, Mm -hmm. that we can have as many expectations as we like, but there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be points where we're just going to crumble and we need that person to be there. And as cheesy as it sounds, it really is that for better, for worse. Whereas I think that a lot of the time we are putting... um, like south asian men on a pedestal and expecting them to be like this epitome of perfection mm-hmm. in terms of like always providing mm-hmm. you know even though our world and everything that we're going through now has shown us that it's anything but mm-hmm. and so it's about allowing for a space that is you know that celebrates vulnerability that yeah. celebrates us being ourselves that allows us to be completely open and you know if we're annoyed we're annoyed great and that you know we can be weak without worry that they're going to use that weakness against us um and most of all to just have fun with these with you know the life that's given to us Mm -hmm. and not kind of you know marriage shouldn't be another nine to five in our life it should be something that is like the expectations that you want for yourself that your wife is like you know what do it so what we don't have savings we'll figure it out kind of thing I mean I'm FYI I'm not a financial
1: advisor <laughs> <laughs> it's a I got
0: you I got the butt you know like like so basically just you know to ba- take off the pressure basically yeah. is what I'm saying one who just makes you feel freedom to celebrate and be your true mm. self yeah you know I totally that. agree I told you I'm full of cheese, man. I'm full of
2: cheese. Nah, that is true because I think that pedestal is what like my dad really struggled with. And I remember like when growing up and stuff, he would always say, oh, that's all, that's all I am to you, isn't it? Like an ATM, that's all I am. And it's like the man's value is always based on like financial wealth. And even even like my uncle, I remember when I went to um, my auntie and uncle's house um, and they were arguing at one point and because she started earning more money than him, She started telling Mm, him uh, that he shouldn't have um, an opinion on things in the house, like what they buy, what they do, and stuff. uh, But for years, for like 15 years, it was him that was earning the most. But then, you know, because he was doing well, she was now putting him down and saying that he shouldn't have um, a say on what they do with their money. And it was like a real like uh, feeling emasculated for him and, yeah, I, was like, yeah, and I was like oh shit and in my head i was only 19 at the time i remember mm. thinking i've always got to earn more money than my wife yeah I can never i can never feel like that and obviously with my dad telling me that he felt like an atm and then seeing that experience with my uncle i was like you know, as a man, I should always be the breadwinner. I should always be the one Mm. providing. Um, But then that pedestal is just not realistic because there's going to be times when, you know, maybe I want to have a career change or maybe I'm not in the best Mm -hmm. place financially, you know? And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, any relationship, whether it's whatever, heterosexual, whatever, it's, it's about supporting each other. It's not about your genders. It's just like... 100%
1: it's about partnership right like teamwork yeah exactly that's what it should really be about Mm
0: -hmm. yeah when the others down you bring them up and vice versa you have to have each other's backs yeah and that's the only way it will really work did you
2: guys see that kind of with your parents generation that support or not really (laughs)
0: Yeah, like, all my aunties and stuff, like, they're all housewives. They've never worked in their lives. They do rely on their husbands for everything. Mm. And I noticed, like, when they get, like, things like, I don't know, child benefit, for example, they'll sneakily hide that money and spend it on things that they want to spend it on. Mm. And I feel like I see that um, now because things have changed, where, like, uh, you know, they're not really working anymore and we're the ones that are working. Mm. Like, the girls in my family, a lot of us are earning more than my brothers. And I can see it, like, especially my older brother, that... um, he feels a bit like, oh, I'll never get a house or a place of my own or this, that, and the other. And it does, like, annoy him. But yeah. at the end of the day, he needs to understand that we'll always support him no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you always have that support. And I think a lot of people feel scared of that, that they feel like, especially men, mm-hmm. that they have to do everything on themselves because they feel like that. But you always have to realise there are people around you that will help you. You'll never be on your face.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: What about you guys? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so my family dynamic is it's pretty unique in that um, my parents are separated but uh, now you know they're best of friends and uh, because my dad's unwell we support him and we support each other Um, and to be honest it's been like that throughout but I have to say because of that um, I almost felt lost as to what I should have because I'd have my aunties telling me this is what to expect from a man and then my mum going like look okay it would have been nice to maybe marry someone who is maybe perhaps more everyone alive is everyone okay yeah yeah yeah. something <laughs> it's okay um, but like um yeah it was just um I, to be honest mom that's actually a good question because I think I've only thought of that now I think I'm still trying yeah. to understand how my parents dynamic has formed what I expect from them because they they never actually gave me an an expectation mm. because my dad was such he, he's a, such a hippie and he's like really just like away with the fairies so yeah. like you know and he's very much like take each day as it comes mm. but sometimes because of that it meant that we did struggle financially mm. um or he was so adventurous that it was like yeah this is so much fun and then after we'd be like oh but we have to move again yeah. you know <laughs> so and then my mum you know it, it it got to a point where it was just too much like it, it, it they she she lost her patience mm. you know so it is there is a fine line to it yeah. as well and I think to be honest I haven't figured that out and I don't know the full impact of it but I'm looking forward to understanding that in therapy as well <laughs> so that should mm. be interesting mm-hmm but yeah how about you Barbie? Um,
1: I think like you know it's weird you don't really notice your your parents like dynamic until you start to get older and yeah, you start yeah. to, you you start dating yourself and you start figuring out what it is that you really want and then you start to mm. really look at the relationships in your life. Um, I mean mm. my parents like you know they're good they're a good team for sure but they definitely have different roles and um, like I'm I'm, they both work and stuff like, but they're, Mm. and they're, and they're very much a team on a lot of things that they do. However, I do feel like, you know, they do have different roles within the marriage. Like I, have and I've said this before, Um, Mm. I feel like my dad makes more of the decisions and then my mom kind of supports and goes with that. And, you know, nothing Mm. wrong with that. But I do think that the way that they think has then been not necessarily passed down onto me, but the expectation has been passed down onto me somehow Um, like in that, I, in, I don't know if your parents feel like this, but like my, I feel like my parents think like, oh, you need to have the same marriage as us. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you need to, you need to have what we have because we have this great thing and you need to have that too. And Mm -hmm. absolutely they do have this great thing. But I think for me, it's not necessarily what I want for my life, what I want for my future and what Mm -hmm. I want in a partner. Um, so I think like the the way that they are and their and their dynamic like you know in a lot of ways it's been healthy it's pushed me forward it's given me a lot to Mm. when it comes to dating and things like that um but it's not necessarily what i would want you know um Mm. But one thing I would say is that, you know, kind of listening to some of the stuff that we were saying before is that I do think like regardless of how difficult it is, and I know for a lot of people, it can be a lot harder because it depends Mm. on your relationship with your parents. But I do feel like it's up to our generation to teach our parents' generation um, about Mm. how to be different and about how Mm. to be happy um and i know it's not always possible and i know that that doesn't necessarily you know like ram it's amazing that you have this like kind of best friend relationship with your parents i think that's beautiful mm. um and i know that not everyone necessarily has that um but, you know, in whatever way they can, like, to teach your parents, like, a little bit about... Because, you know, we have had different experiences from them and we haven't had to necessarily survive in the same way that they've had to survive. And that's given Mm -hmm. us, to a degree, a luxury to make these different decisions. So they don't understand it. And so we should try to help them understand, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. And that's been the thing for me, like, Mm. my, my... relationship with my parents it's never been like this easy they haven't been like my best friends forever like you know there were times when Mm -hmm. I was younger when I really resented them and there were certain things that I Mm -hmm. saw as a kid which I got really angry about because I was like why did you behave this way or even act like Mm -hmm. this in front of your kids and it really affected me and Mm -hmm. affected you know my behaviors and stuff um as an adult so there were times Mm -hmm. when I was really like resentful but Mm -hmm. I think the best way that our relationship got better was just me telling them how I want to live my life but actually having a conversation on it not just telling them like you know this is it this is what I'm going to do like explaining going Mm -hmm. over in detail telling them what I want as a future life a future partner and I remember like Mm -hmm. me and my parents have talked so many times about what they look for um, when they want us to get married to someone and I was selling them what's important to me and theirs was like stupid stuff like making sure they're good right or from this cast or you know mm. that and the other, making sure they went yeah. to university and I had to have a serious conversation on the values that I want in a partner and stuff and they, they just didn't understand mm. that they were like but surely they'll learn that once you're together and I'm like you live mm. in a different generation now like yeah. women aren't just gonna do what their husband, you know, tells them to, you know. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's why it's so mm-hmm. important to have those same values. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I just feel like it's never an easy ride, but you have no. to have multiple conversations mm-hmm. with your parents in order to get yeah. to a place where it's a healthy combo about dating expectations or whatever yeah. you're going through. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, you have to speak up to want that change and hopefully to bring that change for the generation after mm-hmm. our, after us. Um. Well, it's been amazing chatting yeah, it's been to you. Honestly, so like, so opening. opening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm going to think on a lot, but also how I react to, um, yeah. you know, men and the, the expectations they feel going yeah. forward. Because um, yeah. sometimes it's very easy to kind of be, um, I don't know, like inside our own struggle that we forget to kind of look outside Absolutely. of it. So, yeah, that's been amazing. Any last thoughts you want to share before we?
2: um oh my god you're putting me on the spot then uh, Anything,
0: <laughs> anything anything absolutely anything, absolutely anything. <laughs> uh
2: just uh yeah keep educating yourselves keep chatting to your parents and yeah as a community i think the older generation younger mm-hmm. generation women and men we've all got to have a seat at the table and listen to each other's mm-hmm. experiences
1: yeah. Oh, I love that.
2: Amazing.
1: <laughs> thank you so yeah, much for joining you. us. Thank <laughs> you. It's been so good.
2: Yeah, yeah so much.
0: Yeah. Before we go, Ram, um, drop us your handles again, oh, yeah, please. It's
2: at Bessie underscore brotherhood on Instagram.
0: Nice. No, amazing. amazing. Thank you so much, HOC family, for joining us for this very interesting episode. Um, We'll be back soon with more guests. Um, And in the meantime, you can catch us on Twitter at PC. You can find
1: us on Instagram at highonchai.podcast.
0: And that's it. You've been listening to High and Share podcast, guys.
1: Bye. Bye. (laughs) Go on, (laughs) Ram, Say your bye. bye. Get in there. (laughs) (laughs) Have your seat at the table. Yeah, exactly.